Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Why would I eat the frog? What did he do to me? You gotta eat your frog every day. Yeah, well maybe the worst thing for me in the day is eating the frog, but for the frog, I think the worst thing is getting eaten. So maybe he should eat his frog in the morning and get eaten. I think you should just eat that frog. Don't worry about it. Making excuses for the frog is the worst way to be productive. I just don't know that the frog did anything wrong. The frog is just tasty frog. Why would I have to? Why would it be tasty? It's a frog. It could be tasty. It could be tasty, but I'm imagining it being alive, and I just don't imagine it being tasty no, raw. it's like a nice cooked frog. Like it's thrown well, see, into that some doesn't, that doesn't sound Louisiana me, barbecue sort of thing. Like if semantically, at least for me, when you say eat a frog, eat I picture eating a frog. live frog. But if you were to picture, if you were to say, eat some frog, then I would picture the frog being cooked. I suppose I, I do see live frogs every time. Yeah, because you don't say, hey, Martin, eat a chicken. Eat that chicken, Martin. I eat some chicken. Well, some days you got to eat a frog. I don't want to eat a frog. Look what at this they frog. Do to me? Look at this cute little frog. You cannot eat every tadpole and frog in the pond, but you can eat the biggest and ugliest one, and that will be enough, at least for the time being. That quote doesn't even <laughs> bring it back into anything productive. That just sounds like you're a monster. <laughs> and with that, welcome to the College of Booking Podcast, guys. That's not even motivating. <laughs> well, sometimes we start with not motivating things. Listen, you can't kill everything in the river, but you could kill one thing. Yeah. And that's going to have to be enough for you. Every single day, you could wake up and commit a heinous act of barbarism. This quote? You couldn't commit the ultimate heinous act, but at least you could commit the best one you could commit today. Yeah, and so I think that's the message they're really trying to drive home here. There's no metaphor. It's not a metaphor. It's literally just about <laughs> how many frogs can I kill today? We hate frogs. All these productivity consultants, this conspiracy goes deeper than we've ever been able to know before. It's all the productivity experts are yeah. really just frog oh, no. haters or they're, they're working part of the, for the anti frog industry. Uh, why would they be telling me to go get no, a frog, frog out of a river food industry from France? What? Yeah, but I feel like if they're doing that, they would be selling, I don't know, flash frozen frog legs at the uh, grocery store. Oh, Tom. not telling me to wade out into oh, this poor, river swamp with my poor, naive, gator Tom. boots. And you see, once you eat your first live raw river frog. You will get the taste for frog. And then they'll be like, did you know we have gourmet frog? And you'll be like, that sounds a lot better than what I just ate, actually. Bam. Now you're buying premium frog from France. I think the conspiracy goes even deeper than that. And it's actually funded oh, no. by alligators who want you to wade into swamps so they can eat you. Ooh. Brilliant, huh? They are stakeholders in this. Mm-hmm. They are. The circle of life continues. Yep. <laughs> anyway, guys, this is part two. How do you think this is going so far? <laughs> part two of our deep dive into our, our our own particular productivity systems. 
In the last episode, we talked about how we use Asana, which is our task management system of choice. We also recommended using Wonderlist if you're not in a big team uh, like we are. And we also talked about things like if this, then that, and mainly just, I think, task management, calendars, stuff like that, tools. Is that correct, Martin? Yeah. Cool. So today, we are going to follow that up with some talk about our routines, about how we schedule our work on an individual day-to-day basis, and how we make ourselves do the work, how we get motivated, uh, all that kind of stuff. And also, we're going to talk about habits, So, which is interesting because... Martin, I got to tell you, going into this episode, I've been a little bit anxious. Yeah. Because my habits have been destroyed lately. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know about yours. Mine have actually been doing pretty good. Have they been? Pretty good lately. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe you get to take the lead on this episode then, because with August, we've been working on these college packing guide stuff, which, you know what? It wasn't launched when we made the last episode, was it? Uh, No. Oh, okay. No, All I right. I think so. Well, for those of you who only listen to the podcast and who did not see my latest video, which was about uh, the mindset that you should have going to college so you can get over any fear you might have, we just launched a comprehensive guide for all the things that you should bring to college. We call it the Ultimate College Packing Checklist, and you can find it linked in the show notes, which as always you can find over at CIGpodcast.com and clicking on the episode 121 link on the page, but it is also able to be accessed over at collegeandbookgeek.com slash college-packing-guide. So check that out if you want to figure out what you're supposed to bring to college. But yeah, we've been building that, we've been revamping the resources page, and also trying to get videos done, and I'm also preparing for a speech. So sadly enough, my habits have kind of taken a nosedive lately, But over the past few days, I have been reconstructing the system. I have a brand new, smaller daily routine in Habitica, and I will be adding things to that as I prove to myself that I can do the six little habits on there. Uh, But I'm curious, because you said you've been keeping all this stuff together. So what are your routines like, man? What are your habits like? Uh, Well, right now I'm using Momentum, which is absurdly simple. You just click off a box when you do your thing every day, and it shows you a big old line of boxes that you succeeded on. And so you're not using Habitica? Nope. Really? Yep. Okay. Eventually, Habitica gets me into the over-justification effect a little bit, and that's Could not you, good for me. That's that's a big word. Could you explain that? I know what it means. But uh, like, it's two words. You can't just drop. To be fair. And that is the, true. So the over-justification effect is when, essentially, it's when you are given enough extrinsic motivation towards something something external is motivating you to do something that you once would have done by yourself and then you stop wanting to do it for its own merits and you start only wanting to do it for the rewards Mm. like if i was a juggler and i juggled all the time because i love juggling but then i started to work at a circus and i got paid to juggle i would be less likely at that point to just juggle at home for fun because or or for people for fun because I'd be like, well, I'm supposed to get paid when I do this. Yeah, I've actually run into this many different times in my life. Web development is probably the best example because I started building my own websites when I was 12 years old, I think. And I've probably told the story about, you know, my first website experiences, but I started getting clients after high school ended. And I remember there was one particular client 
super cool lady. Uh, I mean, the project was fine and everything, but I just found my motivation to work on the project incredibly low because I was being paid for it and it was no longer just a fun thing. Uh, and I remember I, I had built websites for free for other people at times and been more motivated. So it's interesting how that externalized like money factor can actually kill your motivation. Oh. Yeah, you know, that's actually interesting that I didn't think of that example when I definitely am way less likely to just build a website for free now. Yeah, well, that's a time thing, though, right? Well, I don't know. Even if I had the time, it would have to be a, a very particular circumstance for me to want to just do that. Well, I think. what about your girlfriend's website? Technically, I, mean, I built that website for a grade. Explain? Well, I turned the website I built for her into an independent study in my last semester in college. Oh, okay. And I got an A. So you're just as sneaky as I am. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> when I was a sophomore, I was in a web development class, and I was simultaneously in the introductory MIS class. And uh, the MIS class had an extra credit project that was totally optional. But if you wanted to, you could build a website for the teacher and get a ton of extra credit. And in the web development class, the final project was to go out, find a client, and build them a website. So I just nice. kind of bundled those two things together. And then I was, I had recently started working at the web development department on campus, and they had told me, Tom, you're not experienced enough in PHP and a couple of other little programming languages to do the work we need you to do. We think you have potential, so we're hiring you, and we basically want you to spend a few months training yourself every day at work. So my training was working on that website. <laughs> I yeah. was getting grades for in two classes. Yeah, that's a hat trick. Uh-huh. Beautiful. And I just made sure to include a bunch of the new stuff I was supposed to learn, so I built a database for logging in, logging out, registering users, a secret members-only area. It was stuff that I had never done before. It was stuff that really made the website very good, and... Helps me learn what I need to do for my job, too. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, over-justification effect is really... It's a really... I don't know. It's like a thing that can sneak up on you. Because yeah. as, as you get more successful and more skilled in whatever you're doing, yeah, it's you get, likely you that you're going to get paid for the things paid. that you liked. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you're like, you know, I don't like this as much anymore. It's even happened with YouTube for me. I actually... We had to talk about this once. I had this string of four successful videos, I think starting with the one on not talking about your goals. And they all got over 100,000 views. I'm not sure what prompted it, but they all did very well. And I started to see that my in my analytics, it was creeping up for the first time to hit that 1 million views in one month mark. And something kind of switched in my brain where it was like, okay, now I'm working for that. And pr like right away, Motivation was killed. Uh, I don't think I released a video for like three weeks. I yeah. was trying to be overly perfectionist about it. You know, I was telling myself, okay, the next one has to be even better than the last four. And it has to do, you know, X percent better in terms of views and whatever. And that's frankly the wrong type of goals to be chasing with, with your videos. I mean, it's, it's a factor, but it's definitely not the main thing. And it just made me not want to work on my videos. You know, I do my best work when I'm actually excited. Yeah. Intrinsically to talk about the subject or if I really want to put a horse farting rainbows as a transition or something. Yeah. And that is the most beautiful form of art you can make. It is. Yeah. But, yeah. I definitely started getting the over justification effect with Habitica and it's happened mm. a few times. And 
Is it because of, there's just so much gear and you so do things collectibles? You, well, you do things in Habitica for points and for gold and for leveling and for things. I think kind of the point of Habitica, in a way, is to get people who don't have enough intrinsic motivation to finish what they want mm. to do it via some extrinsic motivation. And for me, I was sense. like, I'm going to do this because there's a new tree pet and I want the new tree pet because that's cool. But then once I got it, I was like, well, I guess I'm finished. I so I don't I know. Wanted, I really. still I still love Habitica so much. And it might be because I'm, I'm so invested in it now. Um, well, it's a great system. I think Habitica is great. It's just yeah. I was using it for the game stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know you've told me that you're not nearly as concerned with that, so you're kind of ignoring part of the extrinsic motivation, I think. Yeah, because I, I remember when we were playing it together, you were doing things like you would give yourself an advance on gold so you could buy limited items that were going to go away, and then you would work to get that gold back, essentially. Yeah. You were going a little bit too Although that deep. Was- that was a way. That was a ways a while a while ago. Yeah, that but, was quite a while ago. But yeah, essentially, we've been using I was playing it two or three to years get now. the armor, to get mm. the things, to do the things. I really like the system, but basically, Habitica works best for me in small doses, where I yeah. use it for a while, get it out of my system, and then come back with a different goal. And I've always been very casual about it. I mean, I've been using it for probably two and a half or three years now. And I still don't have all the pets. I don't have all the mounts. I definitely don't have all the gear. At this point, for me, it's literally become a tracker. And I like using it because as much as I like to switch to new tools and try new things out, and I think Momentum is a pretty cool uh, app, I have kind of built a community on Habitica. And it's just, I don't know, I'm very invested in it now. I've got my contributor armor and all that kind of stuff. So that's pretty cool. And also one other cool thing is that the College of Bogeek Guild, which started out ever so small back in the day, now has almost 7,000 members in it. That's which pretty is big. Nuts. It is in the top 10 guilds on Habitica. Nice. I think it's number nine right now. So, I mean, if you're listening to this and you want to join our guild and start to track some habits, it, it is collegeofbogeek.com slash guild. That'll redirect you over to the guild page and you can join I'm not super active in making challenges anymore, but it at least is there as a way for people to connect and form parties wherein you can actually do challenges together. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and for all my talk of over justification effect, Habitica worked really greatly for me every mm-hmm. time I tried it. I would say the Habitica changed my life like in a pretty big way. The combination of Habitica and reading the power of habit, because I did both of those things I think it was in the summer of 2014. So maybe I've only been using Habitica for two years. But I read Power of Habit. I started using Habitica. And I also discovered Beeminder. I think I also read The Motivation Hacker by Nick Winter around the same time where he talked about the success spiral concept where you start small, you prove to yourself you can do something on a regular basis, and then you start to add new things in. And it was just this right time in my life because for the past probably entire year i graduated from college i had built college of a geek to the part point where it was providing me a pretty decent income and you know what happened it was like a year of very casual work and lots of magic the gathering yeah <laughs> good year though i good mean it year. was it was a fun year Not productive for year. friends i wouldn't say that 
No, not a productive year at all. You can go look at the analytics. They're pretty much flat for that entire year. You can go look at the archives page on the blog. There's like five posts per month. Now, our Magic the Gathering game was pretty strong that year. It was. But I had some pretty crazy combos. You had some pretty crazy green stuff going on. Lots of green stuff. Mm -hmm. But not good for business growth. Yeah, not really. And I, I must have gotten to the point where I was fed up with the status quo because I started reading these books on habit building and I really wanted to go pro as they call it. You know, a lot of people say that a professional is somebody who shows up and does their work every single day, regardless of extrinsic motivation, regardless of feeling inspired, quote unquote, they just get in and do it. And I wanted to become the kind of person who does that. So that's why I read The Power of Habit. And then I started using Habitica and Beeminder. And I put myself on a schedule where I had to publish three things a week. I think it started at two. It was one podcast, one blog post. When I started doing videos in the fall of that year, it was going to be an extra thing. I wasn't putting as much editing into the videos at the time. So three things a week. And I also had this crazy morning routine, which was probably 20 items long. It was insane. And I was doing that every single day. And that was very helpful. You can see the analytics go whoop, kind of hockey stick near the uh, end of 2014, beginning of 2015. And that's kind of where we are now is a product of that. Yeah. So very, very helpful app. But I'm curious about what you're doing now because I know you've graduated from it. So to Yeah. Speak. Well, I graduate from most systems that I use. If, mm-hmm. And I think maybe, maybe Momentum's here to stay. I don't know because the reason that I tend to fall out of all my systems is because eventually... I either get too caught up in the system itself and I'm messing around with the system, making changes all the time. Yeah. Or I just it's too complicated and I no longer want to keep track of it. Things like like if I track how much water I've drank in a day and I'm like, but I don't want to get on my phone every time I drink a glass of water. I just want to be drinking water. I don't Mm want to have to 100 percent of the time have this background process checking my system for any possible thing that I can check off or get points for because I would put so many things into them eventually. Yeah. And it became overwhelming. The reason I am using momentum right now is, like I said, it's just a grid of squares. And every day you do one habit. One of mine is exercise, for example. I just click the square. The square turns green. And I get to see a big string of green squares. And the idea is simply not to break the chain because I feel good about the chains. And it's Mm. absurdly simple. And because of this, it's kind of hard for me to overcomplicate it as long as I don't add 40 more habits. Right. And I guess I don't feel bad about changing my habit systems because during the time I use them, they help me. And if it helps me for three weeks, that's better than helping me for no weeks. Yeah. The one thing I also like about uh, Momentum is that you can, at least on the iPhone, swipe down. Oh, yeah. And in Notification Center, you can just check off your habits. So you don't even have to open it. And I've really been getting into the iPhone widgets because opening apps takes time. Yeah. You know, you got to wait. I got to wait 30 seconds to catch a Pokemon if the app isn't open. Yeah. That's too much. But especially for just checking off a habit, you know, that could get a little bit tedious. I do have a theory, though. My theory is that you and me will never be done graduating from old systems and finding new systems. Well, that seems likely. Because, and so here, here's the details behind that theory. I think at any point in your life, well, let me start with the, with the systems themselves. There's always this pull between too much detail 
and too much management of the system. And on the other side, not enough strictness. Yep. And your goals constantly shift. Your, your short-term ones, at least. Your goals are short, constantly shifting due to whatever's going on in your life. At some point, you might be like, I'm really busy right now. I feel like I'm kind of out of control with my habits. I literally just need something to say I've exercised every day. Yeah. And I think that's where you are right now. Yep. Whereas the other day, I just started to notice that some of the muscle tone that I've developed is diminishing a little bit. And that is a product of me not lifting enough, still going out walking enough, you know, and until recently, because of all this craziness, I was still uh, figure skating three times a week. That's all good. But I hadn't been to the gym for a while. So my brain goes, Tom, it's not just the exercise that you need to keep track of. It is you need to get into the gym and lift heavy weights. So I didn't tell you this yet, but I am now using Fidocracy again. Oh, I have not heard that name in a while. I know, right? I nice. I think the last time I used Fidocracy was about a year ago. And even then it was it was very casual. But when I was a junior in college, so this would have been 2011, Fidocracy has been around for a while. I was insane about Fidocracy. I was tracking every single set, every single rep that I did, and it was really helpful. I saw a lot of gains that way. And uh, to let you guys know, if you haven't heard about this, Fidocracy is almost like Habitica in some ways, but specifically for exercise. So it's an app and a website where you can track the exercise you do and your workouts will give you experience points. You can level up just like Habitica, uh, but there's also quests. And these are not quests that you have to determine. They are they're actually built into the app. So there's one for, you know, say run a 5K. And then once you do that one, now there's run a 10K. And then eventually it works up to run an ultra marathon. So it's always difficult. And uh, whatever level you're at, there's something that's probably achievable. And you can get badges for that. So it's really fun. You don't get a cool character. There's no gear or pets or weapons or anything like that. But... It has those gamified elements in it, and it's broken down by set and rep. And each individual exercise is calculated to give you a specific amount of points based on how difficult it is. So deadlifts and squats are going to give you more points than curls. So it, incentiv it incentivizes doing the workouts that are going to give you the most for your effort. And that's what I need right now. Yeah. So I'm back to using it. Yeah, well, I think you're definitely right about the fact that it's kind of a kind of a balance because it depends on what you're doing in your life. I can't mm -hmm. necessarily just say, you know what? I bet I can stick to this habit every day until I'm dead. Yeah. Because what I'm doing changes. So if I'm really busy right now, which I am, it means I want to simplify my habits, keep track of the most important ones in a way that's sustainable so that I can keep it going because a little bit seven days a week is better than like a... I planned to do it a lot on Saturday, but then I got busy and then didn't do it at all. And yeah. before my habits in Habitica were getting a little complicated, as well as the fact that I had gotten my tree pet and didn't really know where to go from there. But ain't nowhere to go. It's definitely like a pendulum, pet. a pendulum between simple and strict. Mm -hmm. OK, so I know exercise is part of your routine. Then what else is, is the yeah. wake up? All right. Well, basically routine. my routine is I wake up, do my exercises and my stretches and stuff that I got to do for my arms while watching an episode of Pokemon in Spanish. Mm. And then I go for like a bike ride or something. Then I, I read 40 pages 
And a philosophy. 40. Yeah. Is this fiction or is it literally any book you're reading? Anything other than Spanish. That's that counts differently because I read Spanish pages a lot more slowly than English pages. So I'd have to be reading for like seven years. How many books have you read under this this 40 page habit? Uh, well, let me tell you, this particular habit in Momentum has only been there for a few weeks, but maybe okay. three or three or four. Because I know you've been reading through Wise Man's Fear. Yeah. Which. Well, yeah, that's part of why my number isn't too big, because <laughs> that's like five books worth of book. Yeah, well, that, and that's a book where it's very easy to sit down and crush 40 pages. And in my case, when I was reading that book, it was like 300 at a time. Yeah. Um, I'm just I just am curious about 20 or 40 because I was doing 25 a day. And with some books that took an hour. Yeah, but you were reading like sciencey study books. That is true. I'm primarily reading fiction right now. OK, OK. So 40 pages of fiction sounds a little bit more doable on a daily basis. And the nonfiction I like to read is more philosophical and less sciencey okay. than, than yours. And you floss in the morning? Well, actually, that one takes place at night. Okay. I was just reading from my list. Oh, about okay. It. Gotcha. But I will have you know that this system being simple and allowing me to see what have I done for the last few weeks, because Habitica didn't really... Well, it does. It tells you your your chain, how long you've been doing it, but it's a little number. And on momentum, it's a very visible green line. Yeah. So this sounds bad, but I don't care. This is the longest string of daily flossing I've ever had. That's pretty good. And I'm proud. <laughs> okay. So I'll talk a little bit my about my morning routine. Now, like I told you guys, I had a huge morning routine back in the day when I was really, really gung-ho about Habitica and I had a crazy streak of um, perfect days. So back then I was getting up and I was going for a walk every single morning. I would take my vitamins. I would drink, I think half a liter of water, brush my teeth. I would check my calendar, review the upcoming day, do my entire day's list. And then I would cook breakfast and I had a very specific breakfast. And then after that I would read. So like I said, with this whole success spiral concept, if you fall off the wagon, you can't always just hop right back on it because something kicked you off and maybe that something is still in your life. Maybe it is just a lower overall level of motivation or maybe it's just having a lot of things to do with school or in my case, a lot of things to do with work that are just kind of cluttering up your brain. So sometimes to get back to where you were, you got to start smaller again, prove to yourself you can handle those things and slowly add back until you were where you were previously and then you can progress from there so currently my habitica has six habits and actually none of these are are for the morning so i can tell you what i did this morning and i've been trying to build this into a routine i got up i rode my bike to hyvee to get a latte from starbucks and it annoys me to no end that it takes at least 25 minutes of biking round trip to get to the nearest starbucks but i guess that's a decent reason to go exercise yeah well, there's your extrinsic motivator. Watch out. You'll stop biking if you can't have coffee. Ooh. Well. Which is okay because Starbucks is everywhere. So you can Starbucks always have coffee. Everywhere. So it's a, that's not a problem. And when we move, there's going to be a Starbucks, what, like a mile away? Yeah. By the Whole Foods. So, yeah. So there's that. Uh, and then I came home today and I made a breakfast. And I, I made like a really good breakfast this morning. Eggs with salsa and cheese and then toast and spinach with garlic and olive oil and salt and then I made bacon and had my coffee as well and that was friggin delicious 
So I'm going to try to do that going forward. The thing that really makes the morning routines tough right now is the fact that figure skating starts so early in the morning. I probably have to wake up at 5.30 most days to get to it in time. And that really leaves no time for a proper morning routine. So it's basically get up, make breakfast as quickly as possible and get out the door. Uh, and then I can go and do that. That takes about an hour. Then getting back, I could do the rest of the routine afterward. But even though it starts early, it gets me back to the house probably around 8 or 8.30. And by that time, I'm kind of itching to get to work. So I'm almost wishing I could do that maybe later in the afternoon or at night. And it might be possible. Maybe I could talk to my coach. Yeah. But as a result, my morning routine has been kind of decimated yeah, but this is an example of why why habit systems change because like you're not going to be necessarily doing that in the morning for the rest of your life. But at the same time, it would have been pretty dumb for you to be like, yeah, I, I can't take these lessons. I have a morning routine. And, <laughs> That's true. And I really need to do this, the same thing every morning. I don't want to improve myself in this area. Sorry, coach. I got to quit because I really need to eat a bowl of garlicky spinach. Yeah, I just, I'm missing my garlicky spinach. <laughs> And I really need to go get coffee. You got to be flexible so you can get the most out of life and such. Yeah, exactly. So right now, the morning routine is in limbo because I need to figure out what my schedule is going to be like for that. But the daily routine, real simple right now, do the seven minute workout and you can find this at, uh, let's see here, if I Google seven minute workout, what is the URL? Oh, 7-min.com. So 7-min.com. This just runs you through a seven minute workout. It's all body weight exercises. So I'm doing this because it's a really good supplement for the gym because I probably won't go to the gym every single day, but I can do this every single day and make sure I get at least some exercise, which goes into the next habit. And that is just to simply fill the exercise bar on the Apple watch. So I thought about doing fill all three bars and I will probably change it over to fill all three bars once I can prove to myself that the exercise bar can be filled. But currently, my watch is set to get to require 30 minutes of exercise every single day. So that could be riding my bike to get coffee. That could be going on a brisk walk with Anna to catch a Pokemon. Or it could be a hardcore gym session or figure skating practice or seven minutes of that could be the workout. Either way, I want 30 minutes of exercise a day to be part of my life. Now, what are these what are these other three bars for those of us without Apple watches? Oh, yeah. The other three. So there's calories. And then there's standing. So, and the standing one's really simple. You oh, just have to stand for, I think this is really easy. I think you have to stand for at least one minute per hour, which huh. isn't hard at all. But when you work at a desk, it's just very easy to get caught up in your work and forget to stand up. And then you realize, uh oh, I've been standing for, or I've been sitting for six hours straight without standing up. And that's going to kill you someday. Yeah. So, this is basically a way to make me stand up at least once per hour, which isn't going to be too much of a problem because uh, this is going to be shown in an upcoming setup video. I just got a sit stand desk, which I can push a button and it will raise up to standing level. And that is awesome because I can now work while standing. Yeah. So cool. But still, when I'm sitting, if I get caught up in editing or something, or if I'm at a coffee shop and I'm writing, it can be hard to remember to stand up. So once that exercise habit 
is kind of locked in and I know I can do it, I'm gonna change it over to all three bars. And then the last four are part of my night routine. So the night routine right now is plan my next day. And I actually find that planning my day the night before helps because then I'm not stressed and trying to compress my routine so I can sit down and plan out what's gonna go on that day. I just take care of it at night. And when I wake up, I can look at my whiteboard and all of my tasks are sitting there waiting for me, ideally in order of how they should be done. And then I have floss as well. I have a back exercise routine because from sitting in a crappy chair and editing way too many videos, uh, I hurt my back a little bit a couple of weeks ago. So like most injuries, not all, but most exercise helps to recover. And I have a very specific routine of stretches and exercises that work on my core and also help to stretch out my hip flexors and quads and uh, outer hip muscles, which people who sit a lot, and this may be you, tend to have inflexible hip flexor regions. This is just like a problem of our modern society. So you can alleviate it by exercising a lot and possibly doing yoga, but I'm just tackling it head on by doing a specifically tailored routine. Didn't go to the doctor for this, but I did go read a bunch of physical therapy online, like PhD people talking about the ways you can do it at home. And then after that, there is the clear to neutral habit, which is simply to clean my desk off, set it back to how it should be, kind of reset the position, save all tabs to Evernote or wherever they go in my system. So if there's something I'm interested in, instead of leaving that tab open like I used to do, it gets filed somewhere where it needs to be. And then all tabs are closed, shut the computer down totally and clean the room. So that way the room can never be an excuse for unproductive behavior. Yeah, messy room, messy mind. Though. Exactly. Now, each of these are daily habits, right? Just every every day? Do you have any they days off? They are not every day. So the seven minute workout right now is is weekdays, but I will, I'm planning on changing it over to weekends. Basically, the reason it's not weekends is because I set it up last night, oh. like right before bed. So yeah. there were certain things that didn't get done on the weekend and I didn't want to start out with Oh, that's fair. A bad day, which I actually need to check myself out of the end. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. So I wanted to start out on Monday. And as the week goes on, I may add back in the weekends to certain tasks. But a lot of them do have every single day. Like okay. Yeah. Well, you can't, you know, the bacteria I, oh, yeah. on your gums is going to be like, listen, oh, it's a weekend. Listen, we'll Mr. Leave Dentist alone. or Miss Dentist, I floss three times a week. <laughs> Why isn't that enough? <laughs> I floss but, Monday through Friday. That's pretty. You know what they're going to say is. That's better than most Americans. At yeah, least they're honest. Say, Actually, you know what? That's pretty good. I mean, I think most people go in the dentist and they're like, yeah, I totally floss every single night. Looks like you haven't flossed here. Like, and I put I put a little speck of something in here last time you were at the dentist. <laughs> and I knew that if you flossed, you would move it. It's, it's like here. it's like the old leaving a hair on the dashboard <laughs> to see if see if your son takes your car. And then the hair's moved. But and this the time the they dashboard. put it they put it in your teeth and they knew that you would floss it out. But if it's not there. Or if it is there, you didn't floss. It's like classic crazy person behavior, but also maybe possibly smart person behavior. Yep. Watch out for your neurotic genius dentist. I'm trying to think if I've ever left like, what do you call that? A hair trigger? I don't, maybe. If I've ever left something like that? I don't know. I think I have. I don't think I ever have because I don't. I generally trust my I friends though. I probably did it when I was a kid and I was worried that my brother would steal my Nerf guns or something. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to 
stick a bit on the the fact that those are daily, and the only reason I want to point that out is because I just realized, to the clever listener, they may have noticed that before I mentioned a 50-page reading habit in a previous episode. Oh. And I would like to explain that. Okay. So that there there's solid reasoning behind this. I was reading 50 pages every day but Saturday. Mm-hmm. And... I had another goal also that wasn't daily and it was bigger. It was like immerse myself in Spanish one hour, three times a week or something like that. And in both cases, I found that having to keep track of what day it was and schedule specially, especially long things on those days made it more difficult and making it a smaller amount every day is much easier because I wake up and I don't have to think to myself, do I have to do that today? How am I going to make time for that? I just think, Yes, I do that every mm-hmm. day. And you build a habit. It's a lot easier to get into kind of an automatic routine when you do it yeah. every day because you're not going to get kind of instinctively into doing something three times a week. You're going to have to force it mm-hmm. all three times. Not to mention, especially with the three times a week one, I procrastinated every one of the thing, anything like that until it was just the last three days of every week. Yeah, and I will add to that that I found... For the things that are only done a certain amount of days during the week, I find myself bargaining with yeah. myself. Like, okay, I really don't want it to do it today, but I swear I'll do it tomorrow. Like Saturday's an off day, but yeah, look, see, I'll just seems, take a break today and I'll do it tomorrow. Flexible. And then Saturday rolls around and you think to yourself, well, now is Saturday and it's supposed to be an off day. Maybe yeah. I just won't do so it. So I changed it to 40 pages literally every day. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy for me to say, yes, I know I have time to do all of these goals because I do them every day. And if I didn't have time yesterday, then I wouldn't have time today. But since I did have time yesterday, I must have time today. Yeah. It's a lot easier. Also, why wasn't I using my freest day, Saturday, to take some of the weight off of my more busy days? Didn't make any sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think that is the reason or one of the reasons why the three-month reading challenge went so well. Yeah, was because I did it every single day. No exceptions. Yeah. So there's a reasoning behind that. I'm not trying to like sneak my way down to a low next week. I'll be like, yeah, I'm reading 10 pages a day. It's the best goal I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Now, there's there's a reason. And I do remember some people saying when I mentioned my 25 pages per day reading challenge that they were challenging themselves simply to read a book a month. And what would end up happening is they wouldn't read for three weeks Oh, yeah. And then it was essentially a book a week once every four weeks, well, which yeah, can be that's tough. The problem. It's so easy to procrastinate. <laughs> if it's every day, you can't procrastinate because that it, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So we have some questions that we got on scheduling and motivation. So I kind of want to go through these and see what you think. Yeah. Uh, so one question is, do you allocate time to the day for specific tasks or do you allocate time of the day to complete all of your tasks and then you pick and choose the order of what to do? So, like, is your routine flexibly adjustable? Like, yeah. can you put reading in front of exercise or, or exercise? So, I think I think this was more to the actual work you have to do during the day, not your routines. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I try my best to schedule my work in the order that I'm going to do it in. And I used to be, uh, and sometimes still come back to this, I used to be very hardcore about it where I would time box everything. So I would literally write down each of the day's tasks on the whiteboard and I would try to estimate the time box basically that I would do it in. So, all right, I got to wake up and we're going to record this podcast. That'll be from 830 to 930. Uh, And then um, 
I need to record a second podcast. So that'll be from 9.30 to 10.30. And then after that, we need to uh, start writing the article for the video I just did. That maybe it'll take an hour and a half, that kind of thing. So I literally have boxes and I would challenge myself to try to predict how long it would realistically take. Sometimes I was successful. Sometimes I wasn't. Right now, I'm not really doing that. I haven't done it in a while. So right now, I just write my task list ideally in the order that I'm going to do it in. And sometimes things come up that will throw a monkey wrench into the whole works. Maybe there's a call that someone needs to do, uh, or maybe I really need to go to the grocery store to get something and Anna only has you know this hour of time to do it before she has to go to work at night. So I adapt on the fly, but I find that when I'm planning it out, if I try to stick the, to the order, it works better because that way there isn't this decision fatigue of what should I do next? It's just move on to the next thing. Yeah. So that's how I do it. Yeah. Mine is actually completely the same way. I'm flexible if the day changes, but you're right. If it's not in a specific order, if I'm like, okay, well, I have these four things to do today. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll just pick whatever I feel like doing at the moment. Then at any given moment, I'm not really doing it. I'm just thinking, uh, which one of these should I start first? They're pretty big commitments. I don't know. I don't really want to do that one right now. Could I do that one? No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll do the other one. And then I just wasted a half hour figuring out what I was going to work on. And I could have finished one of them. Yeah, exactly. If I have a default order and feel free to move it around as the day progresses, you can't predict the future perfectly. But a default order I find is really helpful for that reason. I have a question for you that we didn't get submitted. It's just Ooh. my curiosity. Ooh, it's a Tom question. Mm -hmm. What do you do between tasks? Do you do anything to sort of reset yourself or to maintain motivation? Or do you just steamroll right into the next one this depends on how related the tasks are so mm -hmm. if it's two web development things or if it's web development and then i need to do something like record a podcast feels completely different but if they're both similarly worky feeling and i feel i need a break i can go for a walk or longboard for like 10 minutes around the neighborhood yeah getting some fresh air really helps well one thing we do a lot is we go rollerblading between tasks if it's like podcast recordings or something. Yeah, go out, catch some Pokemon or something. That's actually a pretty good thing, not just for relaxation, but I find that you and I have pretty decently productive discussions yeah. on rollerblades. I think exercising makes your brain work a little better. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> almost like it does that. But that's basically that's basically it. I don't do a lot of other things because if I start playing some games or something to take mm -hmm. a break, it will shut my brain down for the rest of the day and I'll be... I won't do anything else productive yeah. because I'll be lost in the world of Skyrim or something. So well, going, that's going outside is suitably like productive, but not it's not immersive in the same way that getting lost in a game is. Yeah. So I mean, I can, that's in line with what uh, with what Cal Newport said in the deep work episode where you need to take breaks between your tasks. But if it's a break that just engages you mentally in another way, you're not. I mean, you're taking a break, but you're just probably going to suck yourself into something different. Yeah. So going for a walk or something like that is much better. Yeah, I don't want to <clears> switch <throat> what I'm immersed in at the time. Like, I don't want to switch. If I'm going to a video game or a really good fiction book, I'm essentially switching universes for my mental context. Yeah. I'm going into the world. And then I have to go through a whole bunch of effort to get back to the real world when I want to go back to working. Mm -hmm. But if I just go outside for a walk, I never left this context so it's a lot, it's a lot easier. 
another question we got was what amount of work time is appropriate for one day and also how much of that work should be higher or low level activity type work 24 hours all day every day yep what did you think we were going to say guys yep <laughs> i don't sleep to give a serious answer i think it really varies for oh. instance right now is a very crazy time and we've been working a what, lot 10 hour days yeah. 12 hour days a lot a lot but there's a good reason for it there's real projects that demand mm -hmm. that time it's not like we're just artificially forcing ourselves to work on nonsense to fill a certain hour number yeah i think the human body and brain are very adaptable and they're very able to deal with short-term temporary challenges but what you really need to think about is what's your work schedule like on a long-term basis? And that's what I think about a lot because I know I can't burn the candle at both ends every single day for months on end, or I will burn out. And I don't know what the exact hour number is, and there might not even be an exact hour number. I mean, if you go ask somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk, he will tell you I hustle from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. I literally always work. So I think it, there might be both a personality aspect to it, but also there's a a very large part of it is determined by how much you enjoy your work. If you really enjoy what you're doing, then you know it's not really work at all. I think the thing you should think about more is how much time do you feel you need to relax and recharge? Because you really do need to take breaks and you really need to give yourself time away from the pressure. And that's going to be determined by your schedule, your goals, how much you take on. But there needs to be some amount of that, I think. Yeah. So maybe maybe my answer is think first about how much break time you need, not about how much work time you need. And just try to fiddle with that while still achieving your goals. And if you find that you need so much break time that you're not getting enough done, well, maybe you can look into increasing your efficiency before you just say, well, to hell with break times, I'm just going to work from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. Yeah, because, you know, if you if you do this and you know it's going to overwhelm you, you're basically saying, yes, I know that in two weeks I won't be able to do this goal because I will have burnt myself out horribly. So you might as well accept, yes, I need breaks long term for this goal to work out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the last question in this scheduling, it's a little bullet point I had here, was is it good to take a nap between two different study sessions or types of work? I don't know what your thoughts on naps are, but for me, naps are the enemy for productivity. They're the enemy. They are the enemy because everyone always says, oh, you can just take a 30 minute nap and then you'll wake up feeling rested and ready to get back to work. Does not work for me. If I lay down and take a nap, I will sleep for at least two hours. Even if I set a 20 minute timer, I guarantee you my sleepy brain will get up, turn the timer off, go back and lay back on the couch and it will be at least two hours until I get up. Yeah. So at least in your case, that's a horrible <laughs> idea. Yeah. So naps are terrible. I just must get the correct amount of sleep for my body, which is at least seven hours and I'm good to go. No naps. I don't know about you, though. Well, I don't really take naps so like ever. I don't know. Maybe it'll work. I took naps a lot when during like the last year when mm -hmm. I was healing more from my arms because sleeping more obviously helps your body heal. But I don't think I had any particular thoughts on how it affected my productivity at the time. 
Yeah. This one probably really depends on just your circadian rhythm, your your sleep habits, and what happens. Because if you take a nap for two hours and you can't think afterward, that's a horrible idea. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe some people can take short naps. I don't know. If it yeah, doesn't I've screw heard. up your productivity, then and that's the break you want, then okay. But exercising might work better if it was me. It works wonders for me. If I'm feeling lethargic or sleepy at my desk or really unmotivated, it is a sure sign that I need to go outside and go for a walk or something. Yeah, like counterintuitively, going outside and doing getting a little exercise tends to tends to wake me up. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do. But I'm not going to say naps are evil. Yeah, I know people who swear by naps. So I really truly believe that this is a thing that is individual and you just need to test it. Everything's so individual. The answer to every question is, well, it depends. <laughs> For every complicated question, there's a simple answer that is beautiful, elegant, and wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have to have hour-long podcasts to hash out the complex answers. So maybe try naps if you want. I would say think about what your true night sleep schedule is like first. Because if you're just using a nap as like a duct tape solution for a lack of real sleep, that's not really the best thing to be doing. Yeah. But if you just find that, you know, I'm getting a good amount of sleep, my fundamentals are on lock, and I still think that a nap is nice and helps me feel more energized, more power to you. Sleep on it. Uh, So the next question was, I find perfection to be a big obstacle in my productivity. As soon as I go even a little off track, I end up convincing myself that it hasn't been a productive day and I justify the distraction, and then I kind of waste the day. So is this perfection in the routine, in the in the productivity like schedule, well, or perfection in a project? I don't know. I don't think this person really specified that, but I think they're they're just asking like, there's this all or nothing mindset that I have to be all in, or otherwise it was a failure. And I think what they're getting at is this what's what's been called the what the hell effect. Ah. And the what the hell effect, which is interesting in science because there's been studies that have supported it and there's been studies that don't support it. But to break it down really simply, the what the hell effect is when you have a goal, you fail it just a little bit and then your brain goes, well, failed it. Might as well just make, you know, just just count this entire day as wasted and go do whatever I want. The example that is always used for this effect is dieting. So someone's on a diet and then they lose their willpower for a second, they eat a single potato chip, and their brain goes, well, what the hell, you just cheated on the diet, might as well eat an entire pint of ice cream right now, and we'll start again tomorrow. Yeah, I do this all the time with budgeting, (laughs) where I'm like, well, I'm already slightly over what I wanted to spend, so who cares, I'll start over next month. Yeah, I think the best way to get over this is to not focus on the failure or the perfection or the ideal of what you're trying to achieve, but to instead focus on an overall trend line of better and better behavior. So if you fail now, maybe you should tell yourself, yes, I failed, but look how long it's been since I failed last before this. You know, maybe a few weeks ago, I was eating potato chips left and right, stuffing them in every possible orifice, but now I just ate one. That's, That's an achievement in itself. Yeah. So I'm going to continue to keep this trend line going upward. I'm not going to need a potato chip for the next two weeks after this. And I think you can do this with productivity. If you find yourself being distracted, acknowledge that it is what it is. It's five minutes of distraction. You went on Facebook for five minutes or, 
you know, you screwed up one little aspect of the project, that does not mean the entire project or the entire day is a complete wash. It means you've used a, a little specific time slice in not the best way. So maybe you need to go for a walk, go kind of reset your mind, reset your focus and come back and tell yourself, all right, I've moved over that little speed bump, that little hurdle, and I'm going to be back right back into it. Yeah. And this is, you know, this thing also applies to habits and related to that, some, some bloggery person who I don't remember, maybe I'll Google it and give them credit in the show notes, <laughs> but somebody said like, don't fail twice because mm. failing once is not a pattern. That doesn't mean anything. You can pick yourself up tomorrow. But the, the second day, if yeah. you let yourself fail again, it is super easy to fail the third day now because you've set a distinct pattern where you've just kind of stopped for a couple of days. Yeah, I love that. And that actually leads into this person's follow-up question, which is what do you do when you've had several off days? How do you get back on track? Yeah, well, I guess don't fail twice. <laughs> if you, but if you do, like if you've just been in a quagmire for a week, you got to start over. How do you get back? And I, mean, I think don't focus on the quagmire. It's not that mm -hmm. it's not that big of a deal. Everybody messes stuff up temporarily. I've had tons of periods where I'm not productive at all. But over the like years, you know, you zoom out. Those periods of non productivity are so small now. Yeah, that they don't matter. Oh, that's a nice little mind trick. Zoom out. Yeah, zoom, everything zoom out. What does your year look like? Mm -hmm. Does it look mostly productive with like a few blue blue specks of non-productive? What does it look like? What I find works really well for me if I've been in just a period of off days is what I believe I talked about in episode 87, I want to say. It's called You Need to Do a Reset. And basically what I'll do is I'll acknowledge everything has gone to hell my systems are out of whack. I have a ton of stuff mounting up. So what I'll do is I'll sit down. And I will write it all out on a list and then prioritize it. Basically reset the system back to zero, get myself on track, give myself direction, and then reset my focus. Just mentally reaffirm, okay, I've been in a little string of off days, but I know that I am personally capable of being better than this. I have a ton of things to show for you know the work I've done. I have a track record. I know that this period of off days does not define me. So putting it behind me, moving forward, I've got a plan. But you have to sit down and make the plan. I think you have to sit down and kind of reset everything. If you just try to mentally leap back into the systems that you've let get out of order and into disarray, you have less of a chance of really getting back on track. Well, part of the problem there especially might be maybe you're expecting yourself to jump back in to like 10 habits in a super productive day mm -hmm. when you haven't done anything for a week or two, it's going to be a lot better to step in like one, just one step at a time back into the water, one habit, build it up, get your trust back and then build it back to the complexity it was at before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one last question that I wanted to end this episode on, and this is something that I have heard a lot from people who now have full-time jobs, but I think this is also something students deal with. And the question is, how do you make time for both the things you need to do for work and also the projects you want to do for fun? Because I find that I'm usually completely drained after I'm done with my official work. So I have very little motivation and time to do my personal projects. That is such a huge question and problem. Yeah. And I, we have a ton of friends. So many friends. Who have this problem. Well, I have an answer for this. What's your answer? What do you got? 
Just freaking do it, man. Just do no. it. I, well, okay. Just the do just the do it it's with easy. the Shia LaBeouf kind of like hand yeah. motions and everything. That is definitely a factor here. Yeah. But I think what you need to do is recognize, yes, you have limited amount of motivation. You have limited amount of time. And your official work may not be uh, negotiable. Maybe you have a set amount of it and you can't really do much. Okay, that's cool. Well, then you just define a lower amount of work for your personal project for now until you can start to move the, the you know, shift the balance of power between how much time you're spending on your official work and how much time you're spending on your personal work. So if I'm super busy with, you know, going back to my student days, if I'm super busy with a project, I might not be able to get a blog post done. Oh, well, so sad. It happens, right? Yeah. But I can still define that I've got a, I've got an extra hour today. I can at least get the outline done. You know? Yeah, you can at least do something. Define small a small steps. amount of stuff to do. Uh, what, so is that, I don't know. Did I steal your answer? Or oh, not? no, I've got I've got my answer. It's Although my answer is less about literally the action of doing the stuff and more mm -hmm. about the motivation. Because I've had this feeling a lot because I have so many personal goals I want to have. And I'm very, I don't know, I like extrapolate patterns way too far into the future. So I see, uh-oh, if I'm doing this, it's probably not going to be good in 10 years. I better set a good pattern right now. So my thoughts on this are, let's imagine, because it's easier to say as an example, you're, you're working, you're out of college, you're at a 40-hour job, and you want to work on your goals, but you don't think you have enough time because you have a 40-hour job. Well, my thought during that time period was, well, the default for my life, the default path is that I'm probably going to always have a 40-hour job. Therefore, if I can't make the time now, I can never make the time, and I am agreeing never to have this goal done for the next 50 years. And that just made me like want to rebel against that lack of time, and it motivated me to say, I have to start the pattern now. Because if I don't start the pattern now with whatever amount of time I can give it, then I might as well say I'm never going to start the pattern. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So I think we've, I don't know, I think we explained it pretty well. So I guess that concludes our part two of Inside Our Productivity Systems. If you want to check out part one, it's uh, over at CIGpodcast.com along with the show notes for this episode. And uh, this is episode 121 in particular. So check out the show notes pages for both of these episodes for links to all the things we talked about, blog articles, books that really helped us out, and productivity apps and systems. You can also support the show on iTunes by leaving a rating and review if you want to see the show grow. That is a great way to support the growth of the show. It really helps bump it up the charts and rankings and shows it to more people. So that's all we got, I think. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Till then, stay cute.